It comes like a fleeting memory. Whatever you grab just turns to dust. Like eye contact with a stranger in a crowded room. It's a dream that you to We're doing this for prosperity sake. Posterity. Posterity. Prosperity. Prosperity. Cheers. Yeah, to the shores. To the shores. We're at that like <clears throat> end of summer stage where time feels real weird. Oh, yeah. Everything's going quickly, but last week seems like a year ago. Mm-hmm. What is that effect? I don't know. I'm sure there's some sort of a psychological uh, term for it. Yeah. I feel like there's a term for everything. <laughs> anything, <laughs> I guess there is. anything humans have thought very hard about, <laughs> we have given a name, uh-huh. a term. It's like everyone's got a disorder of some sort. <laughs> everyone's got a, a diagnosis of something. Yeah. Everybody's got to have something. Yeah. It's fashionable. I would. I was diagnosed as a human not too long ago. It was really shocking to me. I was, I was assigned human at birth. You were? I was, wow, yeah. Wow, there you go. Mm-hmm. I would not have guessed. I know. <laughs> I usually try to tell people, but it took me around 15 years to get around to telling you that. Well, I kind of want to identify as a non-Earth being. Non-Earth being. Yeah. Did Th- you hear <laughs> totally. the whistleblower? What, they said that they have non-human biologics. Yeah. What does that mean? I know that was testified in the Senate today, I think, yeah. or in the, I don't know which which branch it was, but yeah, uh, that's probably some subcommittee, but. I'm just tired of them dangling the UFO oh, stuff God. around us. So I, I went a little bit into a dive on, uh, on that last week. I listened to a podcast. Oh shoot, who was it? Hmm. Oh, I forget now. And so I went and listened to the the whistleblower guy. He did an mm-hmm. interview with like Skywatcher or somebody like that. I'm not. I forgot the name of the nation of the nation or something. I watched that interview and I'm like, you kind of didn't say anything, right? He just matter of factly was like, yeah, we have it. Mm-hmm. But also, it didn't seem like he had actually seen it. He's just been told by others. Mm-hmm. Well, everything uh, – so uh, there was another lady who interviewed him, and she's kind of been in this space for like 25 years. She's kind of a respected journalist in this field or this area, you mm-hmm. know. She doesn't – she doesn't – she tries to just report like what has been told and what has been said and not make too many assumptions outside of that. Yeah. And – uh both interviewers that I watched were like, they looked into his credentials and everything checks out that he was part of the UAE uh, group that, um, and talked to other people that knew him in that group also. And supposedly he had pretty high clearance as far as being able to actually uh, assess the, the different um, things. Mm-hmm. So, so they say- So you're saying it's true. No, that's, that's the thing is like, it's- there's things that check out as far as like his story goes, like yeah. credentially, but it's still a nothing burger. Like, mm-hmm. and I, I can understand, and that's something that this um, uh, journalist was talking about. I'll have to look up her name here in a second, but, okay. um, uh, but he also can't reveal a lot of it because it's top secret, and you mm. can kind of understand that too. Is like we don't want to be revealing all of our secrets, right? And yet, for us to really know that you're telling the truth, we kind of need something right. other than this person said they saw this, you know? Right. I, I just, it just, 
I, I kind of just want to turn it off again. Like I, I went down that uh, that kind of rabbit hole for a second, and then I was just. I assume Joe Rogan will go down that rabbit hole and report back what he finds. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's had quite a few of the uh, of the the credit, like sort of like credible right alien, uh, the couple of like flight, uh, um, I call them pilots that have been a part of seeing these seen some of the stuff yeah i saw that lex friedman is um interviewing david fravor mm. he was the guy that first saw the tiktok tic tac mm. mm-hmm. uh, he's been on joe rogan yeah it'd be interesting to hear yeah you kind of which it was just like a big diversion like we screwed up with covid we we've got <laughs> you know you know biden and trump and all this weird yeah, stuff and right it's like, hey, let's and Epstein, and it's like all these things are sort of just sitting there. Like, why aren't we doing something with this under Biden? And you know, and it's just sort of like, oh, look over here, right? Which is kind it of give it an obscure way. name that sounds like aliens, but it could just be that it's a, uh, you know, something like a, a, a mushroom or something. Like that. Right, I don't know. a mushroom. <laughs> what if the aliens are mushrooms? Whoa. And then we eat them and they go into our brain and then we see things, but there's actually them communicating to us. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. It is funny. We just went Alex Jones on this Paul episode. Paul, damn it. <laughs> I'd love it. Uh-huh. <clears throat> well, what, what's been on your mind that doesn't have to do with aliens or the existential crisis of the West <laughs> or uh, presidential candidates or... I- I did, I did, I did, I was kind of curious, like, what, where you are with the alien thing in general. Yeah. Well, as I was kind of dig, going down that rabbit, I was like, I wonder where, where Matt's at with this. Like, what's, what's his thoughts? We don't have to spend a lot of time on this, but yeah. I was, I was curious. It seems extraordinarily unlikely to me. Mm. But I'm kind of with Eric Weinstein mm-hmm. in his point, like, if there's any validity to any of these UFO claims, mm. that means that something else has figured out a post-Einsteinian physics and space-time isn't what we thought it was. Yeah. And we should get on that real quick, Mm. you know, if we care for our survival. So I used to be a little bit more like, um, you know, if there, when I was younger, if if there were aliens, you know, Mm. you kind of understand the Area 51 thing, like, Mm We don't want to cause a panic in the population. And, yeah. But at this point, it seems like there's any validity to it. We've got to start being transparent about it and mm. working on it. <clears throat> That's what it was. It was uh, Pine on what, what Bitcoin did podcast. Like I, his last name was mm. Pine. Uh, and he does a really good job of kind of like laying the sort of like the, the land for the whole discussion and does it in a really well and a really, uh, I think, a very good way. So. The discussion about UFOs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'll have to check that out. And he, he was kind of where I got a bunch of the names and then kind of watched some of those episodes from, mm-hmm. from those people just to kind of see what he was talking about. Yeah. But I loved his, like, because he kind of goes the direction that you were going with that too, is is if there is, here are some possibilities. Like, we don't understand, like Eric Weinstein talks about, we don't mm-hmm. understand the physics and we need to understand that. Right. And also that part of, like, are there watchers out there that once you once a civilization kind of gets to a certain point that they have nuclear, you know, they can use nuclear energy or something like that, that then they kind of step in and say, hey, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> this is where this goes. You know, is that and it was just super there's some just super interesting sort of theoretical 
possibilities of if there were life and why they would leave us alone until mm -hmm. maybe we reach a certain um, capacity for right. harm, harm or danger, you know, yeah. to the rest of the universe. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's fascinating I don't think theories. we represent any danger to the rest of the universe at this point. Mm -hmm. We can't hardly get off this rock. Mm -hmm. But I think that's the point is, is where it becomes that sort of uh, exponential growth right once you kind of reach a certain place it's not that far to then right get you know what we've seen with like computers and stuff like that to ai and then where does that go you know yeah. um so so you don't you don't buy it i don't know i was mm -hmm. pretty compelled by the bob lazar guy mm. he was on joe rogan okay and he claims to have worked on anti-gravity mm -hmm. devices mm-hmm it's, he seemed like he passed my sort of gut check. I feel like you're telling the truth here, mm. you know? Yeah. But who knows? Mm -hmm. So I kind of like, I buy it like 5%, mm. okay. which means I don't believe it. <laughs> Using your, <laughs> your heuristic. It's like, <laughs> yeah. You have to buy it 51%. Otherwise you don't believe it. Totally. Um, it really would change everything. But I think, so I'm just sitting here thinking, <clears throat> I have no idea what the world is going to look like in 10 years. Mm. And to your point about the exponential growth, um, I think we might be the first generation who can genuinely say that. Mm. Maybe, maybe ever since post-World War II, maybe you could say that because there was mm. a Cold War and um, the USSR was a big threat and all of that. But um, – with at the turn of this century and the advent of the information age and the internet, the world looks nothing like the world we grew up in. Hmm. It looks the same, but it functions very different. Yeah. But I think our parents, they were like, yeah, we're going to, it was the American dream. We're going to graduate high school, go to college, get a degree, get a good job. Hmm buy a house, have some kids, you know, and there wasn't a question of, you know, is the Amer is the, the governmental system of the United States going to be the same in 10 years? Hmm. And like, I don't, I can't imagine that it is going to be the same from this point to 2033. Yeah. Everything seems on the precipice of falling apart and, or changing radically in some way. So, AI could do it. Mm -hmm. Aliens could do it. The collapse of the West could do it. But everything is going to look very different, I think. Mm. <clears throat> yeah, I, do, I, I get your point. And I, I, I want to push back against it, but I think I, I really agree with you. Yeah. Because <laughs> I, I, everyone always thinks this time is different, you know, like as far as uh, – but I mean the Cold War, there was the fear of ending civilization was mm -hmm. there but it kind of was in a in a in a way that it made sense like we're you're going to get bombed yeah it's like and i think the point you're making and correct me if i'm wrong is sort of there's factors that we never thought of well it's in it's it's pictured in sci-fi yeah mean, you know it's totally. like so we have kind of thought about it but i think that's the part where you know it, <clears throat> it happens suddenly and i think mm -hmm. it feels like we're in that place where we make those leaps quicker and quicker. Yeah, that 
in 10 years, I would agree with you. It's, it's, it's going to be, it does feel like it's going to be a lot different than what it is yeah. today. Which is kind of scary, mm-hmm. but maybe exciting too. Maybe exciting. Yeah. Buy Bitcoin. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Man, if we're still doing the podcast in 10 years. Oh, that'd be crazy. That'd be crazy. Episode 5,289. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. I did that math in my head. (laughs) I mean, I hope we can navigate it. Mm -hmm. There's plenty of really smart people who are worried about it, like Elon Musk and Mm -hmm. Eric Weinstein. I don't think I'm quite smart enough to be worried about it in, in a practical way. I just sort of sense it as like an existential dread. Mm hmm. I think too, like in, in our position, like you and I don't have the resources to really address these things in a real way. True. Uh, I think part of what we do is we talk about it. And, yeah. Know, that's, I think that's part of, you know, maybe helping other people to listen to us stumble through all these thoughts and ideas that they can mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of push their own thoughts and ideas to another level, you know? Yeah. <clears throat> but it's interesting to think of people who have the resources and the ability to do that. Which I'm kind of hoping on a governmental level that will divert our attention from sort of this police state, you know, or this government of control and mm-hmm. be more of a government of, you know, the future. Uh, like how can we empower the people and, and um, help people be sovereign individuals and take responsibility? And, you know, there's there's we've kind of lost that narrative from the JFK where, you know, ask yeah. what, not what their not country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. Right. Um, I would hope that we could find that inspiration again as, as far as, you know, you know, with the United States, but also with the world, you know, I think there's, that's what I would hope. Pull your mic back a little bit. Mm. It's kind of under your chin. My chin says it. You're so much louder now. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was leaning in as I was, I was getting saying more and more important things. Oh, I see. <laughs> um, yeah, I think it seems to me like to get to a better state, there's only two options: either the the West has to fall and something grow in its place, <clears throat> or you get somebody elected that says, I'm going to shut down half of the government. Hmm. We're going to stop spending all of this money. We're going to change this dynamic. Hmm. I don't think that's going to happen. It seems very unlikely. Yeah. Although I think, like, as you, were, you and I were talking earlier, is the listening to kind of the RFK and Vivek, some of the lesser-known candidates, uh, I feel like they get it. This is both Democrat and Republican side of things. Yeah. And I think that's something that, like I watched an interview with um, uh, Mike Pence. Mm. And like he just, he didn't say anything new. No. I just felt like it was just, I was like, again, it's just Pence, Trump, Biden. It's just the same thing. Yeah. Parenting something. I want RFK with Vivek Ramaswamy as VP. Hmm. Put him on the same ticket. You get that unity 2020 thing because you get the left and the right, Mm -hmm. the Democrats and the Republicans. And I think Vivek is a little bit too young. Hmm. He's only 37. Yeah. But if he was VP for four years, 
could be a great thing. Mm-hmm. And he would still be the youngest elected. And then if he was elected president in the next cycle, he'd still be the youngest president ever elected. Wow. At 41. Mm-hmm. JFK was the youngest president ever elected. I didn't know that. Yeah. Did we find out how old he was? Yeah, 46. 46. Okay. Uh-huh. Wow. It's like me if I became president <laughs> yeah. next year. <laughs> right. Totally. <laughs> Well, I guess I'll run. You heard it here. I'm running for president, guys. <laughs> <laughs> My platform is the last four years of Shores of Ignorance. <laughs> <laughs> Just go listen to Just it. You'll listen understand to it. everything. <laughs> and donate. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's that's pretty wild. Yeah, I think you asked me earlier just like what I've been thinking about. and that's Those are some of the things I've been thinking about is, is the – you know, some of these candidates that are coming on to podcasts and you actually get to hear what they have to say, whether right. you agree with them or not. It's just, and also just the people that are conducting the, the interviews are allowing them to speak, but also holding their feet to the fire too mm-hmm. and asking them for clarity and allowing them pro- provide that clarity. Yeah, I've heard several people comment on this saying that they feel like <clears> – <throat> Social media really started playing a part in our elections in 2016. Mm. And they're saying now pod, long, long-form podcasts are going to play a role in the election this this cycle. It does feel that way. I also listen to a ton of podcasts, yeah, so totally. maybe it's just me. But <laughs> We're you know, it's interesting chamber. to hear these presidential candidates go on and have two-hour conversations with people. Mm-hmm. Like you can't stick to talking points for two hours. Yeah. So you actually hear the person. And if you do, it sounds very rehearsed, mm-hmm. and very boxed. Right. And uh, it's like when I listened to that, it was like a 45-minute interview with Mike Pence. And, you know, well, you know, God and country and, you mm-hmm. know, we got to protect those people in the Ukraine. You know, mm-hmm. like, well, you just said nothing. Yeah. <laughs> Other than sentiment, sentiment, sentiment. And no, no real meat to it. Like the complicated situation that's happening in the Ukraine, you know, like, do you understand that? If you do, well, well tell, talk to us about it. Like, how, right. how are you dealing with this? You know, and I do, I do understand that in some ways that there, you have to be a little bit guarded in maybe how you, how you say things and what you say, but, um, but at least give us something real, you know? <laughs> yeah. But yeah. So I think that's something been super impressed with is watching and also watching the different interview styles kind of like you were saying earlier Mm -hmm. I thought that was helpful to hear different people interview the same same person the all in podcast has been my favorite Mm. they're they're trying to interview all of the candidates I think they've only done Vivek and RFK so far Mm -hmm. but their podcast is such a great platform for that because there's progressive Democrats mm-hmm. and there's four guys, right? Mm-hmm. One's a progressive Democrat, one's a conservative Republican mm-hmm. and they're good friends. Yeah. And so you actually see like a, a real balanced conversation about certain issues. And so putting a president, presidential candidate into that is a great mm-hmm. way to see them. Great way to understand who they really are. Honestly, this day and age, I don't see how a presidential candidate cannot be on Joe Rogan or the All In podcast. Yeah, at least those two. Uh, you know, just the viewership in general of those two, uh, those two things is huge. You know, yeah. Um, but you know, we know Biden can't hold his own on something like that. Mm-mm. Two hour conversation of 
actually talking about things and not bombing about in the, on the, <laughs> the elephant. Come on, man. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> Yeah, and then Trump just his platitudes of yeah. <laughs> I was just I was imagining like uh Trump and RFK on the he's like, What are you saying? You got something in your throat or something like that? Mm. Like just making fun of RFK and the way yeah. he talks. And yeah. I was just like and I was just wondering how RFK would respond to that, you know? Mm-hmm. Part of me in my head was just like, I kinda wish you'd just go over and punch him in the face. Trump? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just kind of the RFK whole, is pretty ripped. Yeah, he is pretty ripped. <laughs> yeah, we should just have cage match for the, <laughs> for the presidential. <laughs> Last man standing Last wins man standing. the uh-huh. presidency. Totally. <clears throat> I don't know. I'm, I'm not feeling um, energized tonight about politics. Yeah, we move on. I know, but I don't know what to move on to. Well, I can stumble around a few ideas if you want to do that. <laughs> sure. Stumble away. Uh well, kind of like you and I were talking about at dinner time. Um, <clears throat> it's like I find like that there's there's things that you believe in intellectually, and then there's things you believe in from the heart. Mm. And you know, I think of like just the idea of God is is it fits in that same in this kind of category. I think it's the best way to describe it, but I think it covers a lot of different subjects. Like uh, I think Peterson's way of describing intellectually is is super sound, and I really love it. Like I act as if God exists. But that is so, that is very different from acting as that God exists. And there's. I don't think I see the distinction. Well, if you're acting as if God exists, it's, it, you're, you're, you're postulating the opposite mm-hmm. at the same time. Where if you're acting as that God exists, is you're, you're confessing to the existence of God. Mm-hmm. So the other one kind of leaves a little bit of room where, like, like intellectually, like I would, I would argue more for the, from the viewpoint of I act as if God exists and this is what I mean by that. But then personally, I would act that God exists and you, you interact in a way that is relational. You know, it's like, it's like, it's like the difference between me, like acting as if Matt exists versus (laughs) that Matt exists. So, so like you're a figment of my imagination, but I'm going to act as if you exist and Mm -hmm. it actually works better relationally because you know <laughs> but that's not saying it's not saying much about you it's it's like you know i'm gonna act as if i'm married you know like my wife probably wouldn't really like that very much hmm. she wants me to act that i married <laughs> does that make sense or is that the distinction there i see it it just seems shallow to me hmm. i mean there's something i can't like i don't think they're mutually exclusive okay because Acting as if is a very important thing mm-hmm. because we can't, if I move it away from God and I just say, well, I act as if I'm going to be around to see my grandkids. Hmm. I don't know. I can't control the future. Yeah. But I'm acting as if I'm going to wake up tomorrow. I don't know if I'm going to wake up tomorrow, mm-hmm. but I, it wouldn't be good for me to have some, oh, I'm definitely going to wake up tomorrow and I'm definitely going to live to see my grandkids. That would cause you to make unwise decisions. So, because we're constantly having to balance short-term and long-term trade-offs. And so you act as if a certain set of things are true, 
and it becomes likely that they will be true. If I don't act as if I'm going to wake up tomorrow, you know, I'm going to make a very different set of choices with how I spend my time. And those wouldn't be good either. They would be very short-term um, sort of spasmatic reaches at pleasure probably. Hmm. And well, those generally shorten lifespan and do damage and run great risk. So, Well, I, th <clears throat> I think in your statement, that's I think that's where I would say that you're acting that you will live till you have you see your grandkids. Um, where when you're when you're discussing it, you know, I act as if I if I'm going, to, but it's like, but there's a there's a different type of commitment there. It seems to me, and this might be semantical, but I kind of put those in two different categories. One's in a more intellectual category, and one's more of a heart. Uh, if we're gonna, you know, just kind of maybe splitting these, like more of like a a commitment to that hmm. desire, to that theory, to that um, idea. Like, like there's a difference between saying, I know this is right, or this is the framework versus like putting your money, your chips on the table because you believe it, you know? Well, I think that's why Peterson says, I act as if God exists, because if you want to know what a man believes, watch the way that he acts, not what he says. And the intellectual part of you is always going to, <clears throat> I think, wrestle with some amount of doubt. But yeah. I'm going to act out what <clears throat> I believe to be true because what I believe tr to be true is evidenced by the way that I act. I mean, I can say whatever I want. Mm -hmm. It's what I do that confesses my belief in, or disbelief in something. Yeah. Well, I, I, I guess part of it is that you know, maybe semantically, I'm not making this distinction as 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 good as I'd like, but I I do see that there's well, for for one example, like the more knowledge you have, it seems to make people more uh, more prone to mistakes, mm -hmm. and people that are like you consider maybe more simple or simple minded, like there's something more, their life seems to have a fullness that from that simplicity and that commitment, you know, um, I'm trying to, well, it's the same idea of like whenever we I think we're talking about this a couple episodes ago, but, um, how smart people that are smart quotation marks usually are the best at believing a lie because they're able to con con concoct all the scenarios in the, in the, in the reality around that lie to make it more believable for themselves. You know, whether it's uh, kind of like what we saw around COVID, it's sort of you, you, well, the science says and doctors say, and 98% of scientists say the climate's this and, and you build this case when it's really not as strong as you think it is, but you're able to concoct this, you know, huge argument mm -hmm. out of, uh, out of all these individual facts or figures, you know, mm -hmm. um, where sometimes when you just go to somebody who's simple and, and they're just like, well, 
I don't know about that, but here's what I think, or here's what I am, or, you know, they just, they just have a simple way about them. And there's something sometimes more real and, and good about that. Mm. Um, it's one thing I've always enjoyed about when I used to go back to Amarillo was, and again, not, this is, this is too much of a blanket statement, but in Austin, I really love the fact that there are a very, it's a very educated city for the most part, or at least a, you know, circles I'm around and stuff. And I really enjoy that. But then I also love just the simple, small city way of being and the way people talk to each other. And, you know, maybe some of it's bias, you know, and, and ignorant or whatever, but you kind of just know where people stand yeah. and it's honest mm-hmm. and there could be wrong. And, and then a lot of times those people are easier to admit like, oh, you know, I was wrong. You know, I'm sorry about that. You know, um, so I, just, I, I don't know. I, again, I think that's why just swimming around in a <laughs> and trying to make some sort of distinction in my head because I see it between there's an active belief that looks different than acting as if. And I can see how we can conflate the two, but however we want to use the language to distinguish between the sort of intellectual maybe, pursuit maybe what of something you're trying to versus, say is <clears throat> rather than acting as if God exists, you act because God exists. Hmm. That might be that might be a distinction. Yeah, <clears throat> like I don't act as if I'm married. I'm, I act because I'm married in a certain way. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I just think that there has to be room for. I don't think it's one or the other. Mm-hmm. I mean, you are married, so you, it follows that you would behave a certain way. Yeah. But in a sense, we don't – okay, God exists. What does that mean? Mm-hmm. You don't know. Yeah. All of the religion in the world is a an active pursuit of understanding, well, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. So you don't know. So you don't act – the way you do because God exists, because you don't know, okay, he exists. So what, what does that mean? What does that tell me? How do mm-hmm. I act now? Mm. Like I, I can say of you, yeah, you act a certain, you, you only sleep with your wife because you are married. Mm-hmm. But what does it mean to be a husband? You're learning that every day. True. Yeah. And so there's a certain amount of like the Bible says to work out your faith with fear and trembling. Mm -hmm. Why? Because you don't know Mm. your faith in what you're learning constantly. And so this is the conundrum of being a conscious being, being aware of the future. (laughs) I'm going to act as if I understand what it means that something would be a certain way because God exists. Yeah. But I don't I don't really know what the proper way is, so I'm going to work it out with fear, not because it's it's scary, but because I'm scary because my limited understanding, my limited ability to grasp what that all is and what that means means that I'm I'm over my skis essentially and I might fall. No, I like that. <laughs> That's good. 
I love that. I mean, because I, I think I, I agree with you. There's that, there's that multiple, um, that dynamic aspect of life and how we live in that, you know, you've got, you've got the complexity of, you know, acting as if God exists and acting because God exists and acting, you know, as if God doesn't exist. You know, I think hmm. we, I think we do have this complex, um, complex ideas kind of rolling around in our, in our brains. And it's like, yeah. we kind of have to explore all of those things, mm-hmm. not at once, but it's, a, you kind of have to be like, you know, I think looking at the idea that God doesn't exist is, is a very important and valuable thing to, cause it kind of tests and tr- test what you believe and what you think, you know? Um, so I liked how you laid all, all that out and that it is a complex part. It's not that you just believe in God, you know, or believe that there is a God. It's like, because there is so much we don't know. It's the same thing with, you know, or any relationship, you know, I, like there's a mat that I don't know and I have to accept that too. Mm-hmm. And I, and also a friendship, you know, it's like, I act as if we're friends, right? Totally. <laughs> you know, and, and, at, and at the same time, it's like, I believe that we are friends. And mm-hmm. well, and if you and I got in a terrible fight, on you, air, <laughs> <laughs> you, our relationship might be in question, mm-hmm. but I would say my hope would be for myself that I would continue acting as if we were friends, even if I wasn't sure. So, mm-hmm. because I want to be friends. Mm-hmm. And the way that you stay friends is you act as if you're friends. Oh, true. Because that doesn't mean that we aren't friends or that I'm admitting doubt in something necessarily. Mm -hmm. It just means that the proper way to orient yourself toward the world that you don't have control over and you can't predict Mm -hmm. is to act as if the world is the way you would like it to be. I, I, and I can't really see a way around that or a place where that's not true. I mean, it applies to like your space as well. Mm-hmm. I'm going to act as if my home, home is a good home. What does that mean? Well, you don't really know. You don't know what systems are quietly about to fail you in your home. Mm-hmm. But if I act as if it's a good home, I'm going to be attentive I'm going to notice the dripping faucet and take care to fix it. I'm going to notice where clutter and dirt have built up and clean it and tend to it. And by acting as if something is true, I thereby make it true. I like that because you make me think of marriage too. It's like you, you pledge yourself to somebody and then you act as if you're married. And at some point, the marriage thing happens mm-hmm. like it's, it's happening You're like in the moment of it. Yeah. But you also, there's moments where like that, the, the act activity of marriage is, 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 is fall, falling apart and you act as if you are married mm-hmm. because you've tasted something, you know what it is and it is good and you want to be committed to it. Yeah. And it's like, I'm going to act as if I'm married you know, because in my, my heart, I'm, I don't feel that way or in my mind, something's not right here. You know, it's like, well, that, that reminds me of, I was trying to work this out 
I wrote about this in my eulogy for my dad, hmm. about the idea that truth isn't something which is, it's something which is happening. Hmm. It's active. Yeah. It isn't some final state which is described. Yeah. I mean, you can say certain things about marriage. They will not fully describe any given marriage. They won't even, even you inside your marriage could sit down and say everything that you know to be a quality or attribute of your marriage. And yet tomorrow you're still going to have to learn what it means to be a husband. Mm. So, yeah, I think that's why with things like marriage and things like God and things like the future, you act as if. You don't act because of. That's just our nature, the nature of being a being who lives inside of time. We have to go through time. We have to, well, in we get to go through time. We are involved in the process of all things becoming mm -hmm. what they will eventually be. And I find that to be a beautiful and terrifying blessing. I don't know if I, I uh, maybe it's just, again, semantics, but I do believe that there's, there is a, there is a, I feel like when you act as if a lot of times that's in, in time of doubt, in time of uncertainty, mm -hmm. but your experience has told you something different. And so you, when you're in time of doubt or uncertainty, and that's a complex thing because you can be certain and uncertain at the same time about a lot of things, you know, uh, and it, it's that kind of like, I feel like that's where that kind of comes in. But I feel like there's a place, you know, like T.S. Eliot talks about it. It's this, it's the dance. It's the in-between space. It's like, you can't tell, say whether it's here or there hmm. and you don't, cause then that would play, but that would put it in time. And, but the, that moment, that space is not, you can, it's undefinable. It's not like 10 seconds or 10 minutes but you're, you're in a place of activity where something means something to you. You know, it's like when you're lost in a kiss or, um, you know, your wife does something really sweet to you and everything else kind of goes away, you know? And, and it's like, you're not acting as if it's like you are whatever that, whatever that is at that place in that mm. time. Well, that's true. It's like, there is a paradox there. Mm -hmm. Because you may be learning what it means to be a husband. And so mm -hmm. you are acting as if you are a husband. Mm -hmm. Yet you definitely are a husband. Mm -hmm. Or a lover. You know, it's like, yeah. it's like I'm learning to be my wife's lover, but I'm also in activity loving her, you know, being her lover. Right. You know? Well, and that's why I say we, because we are inside of time, we mm. are an active part of whatever, whatever something is going to be, we are an active part of making it that. Mm -hmm. And it isn't that yet. Mm. Yeah. Just love that with the TSL stuff. Cause I, that's whenever you, whenever you're, you are in time, that's whenever you're able to define things and put 
you know, act as if or because it's like when you're in the moment of something, like you're playing a soccer game, you're not acting as if you're playing a soccer game. You are the soccer game. You're lost in the the thing that is soccer. It's not like you're going through your mind and like, what are the rules? Okay, I'm going to act like I'm a soccer. I'm act like I'm a good soccer player. It's like mm-hmm. you're 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 in process of something, and you are the you are a soccer player, you know, or a football player. <laughs> uh, but at the same time, you go to practice and you are acting as if you're a soccer player or a football player, you know, and. Um, I listen to me UK shows. So I got I, I always struggle with football and soccer mm. <laughs> references. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but you are acting as if you are because you're showing up to practice, you know, and like you're not necessarily lost in being in being a soccer player, mm-hmm. you know, or you practice a speech or something like that, you know, and you're. Mm-hmm. But if you if you if you go out there and you give the speech and it just feels rehearsed. It's like you, you, at some point you have to embody the, the speech, you know? Right. Um, I think that's a hard thing too because sometimes when we embody something, we also see how much we lack, you know? I love the references to jiu-jitsu that a lot of people kind of make. You know, you there's, there's no – you can't – when someone pins you and, and kicks your butt, you can't be like make up an excuse. It's like, no, you lost – you had to tap out or you're just going to break your arm, <laughs> you know? Right. But I don't know. I, 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 I kind of lost the thread on where that one was going, but. <laughs> <clears throat> Embodiment seems like a, a very interesting aspect of, of all of this, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I saw you got a drink of water. I was like, man, I need my water bottle too. <laughs> where is it? It's right over here. Okay. Yeah, when you're enraptured in something and fully embodying something, mm-hmm. it does seem like the questions go away. Questions about what is. Mm-hmm. And you're fully embodying something. There's no need to question it. Hmm. Maybe yeah. that's part Musician. of what you're, yeah, I mean. Maybe that's part of what you're trying to get at with your Make tr- attempt to make a distinction between acting as if and acting because. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll use the musician since I know something about that. When I first started playing shows, live shows, you're certainly questioning whether or not, well, do I deserve to be here? Is anybody going to care? Am I any good? How do you act? when you are standing in front of a crowd of people and there's a microphone in front of you, totally changes your, <laughs> like, you don't know what to do. You know, it's like mm-hmm. that classic Ricky Bobby. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what to do with my hands. He keeps raising his hands up into the screen. I love that. <laughs> like, it will, it will mess with your brain, you know? And so uh-huh. you might say, okay, well, I've seen other people play shows. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to do like they do. Mm-hmm. So you act it out. I act as if I'm a good musician who deserves to be here and bring is bringing some value to the people who are listening. Hmm. And then the whole time, as long as you're self-conscious, you might be wondering, is that true? Hmm. Am I any good? Do I look stupid? <laughs> um, 
But then there comes a time when you get so wrapped up in the music, all of that dissolves. Mm-hmm. And I'm not thinking, am I a good musician? I'm not thinking, how should I be acting right now? I'm just, I am the music. Mm. And there's no questioning that. And it isn't exactly an as if or a because. It Mm. simply is. Mm. It's an is. It's happening right now. Whatever questions you have, look, the answers are in front of you. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think that's pos- that's possible with all kinds of things, including marriage or including God even. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's what you hope for is that you reach a state in your belief of God in which the question stops mattering. Mm. Do I believe in God? You know, it becomes as silly as asking me if I believe in you. Mm-hmm. It's like we don't sit around on our podcast wondering whether or not we believe each other, that each other exists, you know? That'd be fun, though. We're just – mm-hmm. that question doesn't make any sense in this context. Totally. And I think that our ideal state is am, am I a soccer player? Well, if I am, then I wouldn't be asking that question. Mm-hmm. Because I would be too busy being a soccer player. Oh, yeah, interesting. You know? Uh-huh. Am I a musician? Well, if I am, I wouldn't be asking that question because I'd be mm. too busy being a musician. Do mm. I believe in God? If I do, I would be too busy doing whatever that is <laughs> to ask the question. Yeah. I think this is really helpful. I think you kind of helped kind of dissect some of that for me as far as yeah well and i just want to i want to say that in any of those things whether it's belief in god or marriage soccer music we don't and possibly cannot exist in that fully embodied state Mm, all the time totally so the test that i just set up it's like if you if you are a real soccer player, you don't really have any time to ask the question, am I a real soccer player? Mm. But that's really only true in the heat of the game. Mm. The game ends, it has to pause, we have to rest, we have to sleep, we have to go home, we have to eat. There's all these times when we're outside of that embodiment Mm. and the doubts creep in, the questions creep in, you have time for the questions. And you have to again say, well, I don't know. Mm-hmm. My mind might be playing tricks on me. This might be legitimate doubt, mm. or it might just be that old insecurity that I've been working so hard to leave behind. And I think the best way to deal with that is, as Peterson said, I'm going to act as if it's true. Mm. Because I've experienced its truth. I've experienced the trueness of that. I've experienced the moments where the questions stopped mattering and seemed silly. Hmm. And so I'm going to keep acting in a way that's aligned with that. And this comes back to the beautiful and horrifying blessing of being a conscious being inside of time because 
in those moments, I have active, willful, conscious participation in things becoming what they most truly are. Hmm. I get to say yes. Mm-hmm. And, I may, and I might say no, and lots of people do say no, and it's a tragedy. kind of makes me think of also, I don't know, the counterpoint or the counter negative to this is, you know, I think about horrible things that happen in the world and how people carry that, carry those things out. I mean, we're talking about soccer player, musician, belief in God, Mm -hmm. you know, business person, marriage, that kind of stuff too. You know, how do you think, how would this apply to like say a murderer or a, um, uh, like what? I'm not sure exactly what I'm trying to get at, but I'm also like like you're acting as if something is true, or you believe something that is true, but there's something it it doesn't bring life; it brings death, mm-hmm. and it could be anywhere from how you affect the people around you, and it it actually sort of like instead of lifting people up, it, you know, drives them down. You know, mm-hmm. does, are you, do you kind of get where I'm, I'm, I'm trying to scratch on something that's like, it's more of the negative aspect like of how you approach the world. Like there's, there's real consequences to what you act as if, blank, fill in the blank, you know? Like, yeah. <laughs> like I act as if the world is against me and I must protect myself at all times. And therefore, you know, somebody has to die or somebody uh, needs to be taken out or, you know, whatever it might be. Right. I'm trying to think of it in extremes because it kind of helps to kind of, as you come back to more to the everyday examples. <clears throat> hmm. Maybe this is going to be a good little crack to pry open because I think in general, when it comes to things which are true, mm-hmm. The people who do good in the world, I think, tend to hold truth loosely because they know they can't grasp the fullness of it. Interesting. And there's some humility in that. Hmm. The the people who act according to what they believe to be true and the results of that are pathological Mm -hmm. and perverse. Um, And you could... use several examples for that. Like maybe one is uh, murder or death cults or um, <laughs> communism, um, fascism, Nazism. They don't tend to hold truth loosely. Hmm. They tend to demand that it's self-evident and obvious that what they believe to be true is true. Hmm. And a better word for that is an ideology. And the trueness of what they believe may or may not be true. It may be true. It might just not be true enough. It's not all that's true. Hmm. Which comes back to this idea of acting as if. That's like another way to say I'm holding this loosely because I know that I don't understand it. Hmm. And so I'm going to 
with some amount of fear and trembling and humility, act in the way that I see as according to that truth, but also keep myself aware enough to know that I might take it off the rails and I'm going to have to correct myself. Hmm. Those who make the world worse do so so as to not correct themselves. It's interesting. So you're almost using, I act as if, sort of as a marker of humility where when I was, as I was kind of pointing out this sort of counter example, that statement almost doesn't exist. Cause I was trying to figure out how that statement applies to somebody in that circumstance, mm -hmm. but it actually can't apply in that circumstance because you're not open to other possibilities. Mm -hmm. And so it's like a dogma or you're dogmatic. Oh, that's a great point. Yeah. So, okay. You're not acting <laughs> as like, if you're, you're yeah. acting because. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And you have no room for as if yeah. because that that could lead to dissent or even a correction in your own belief or, or thought. Well, yeah. I mean, just look at the COVID epidemic. Ooh, good point. COVID pandemic. Yeah. It wasn't an option to act as if COVID was dangerous mm -hmm. because, well, if somebody gets that wrong, then everybody's going to die. So we must act because COVID is super dangerous. Mm. And – no dissent. And at that point, yeah, mm -hmm. you can't tolerate dissent. And at that point, no one actually has to justify whether or not any of the quote unquote actions that we're taking mm. are, they don't have to justify whether or not they're beneficial or harmful. Mm -hmm. Everyone just must do the same thing. So long as we're all doing the same thing, mm. then we're good. And this is where you get cults. Mm -hmm. This is where you get ideology. Yeah. This is not true. Mm -hmm. And it's becoming more and more accepted now, I think, that basically ev everything that we did, Brett Weinstein makes this point, and I've now heard, I think, RFK kind of resonate the point, is that we didn't do the wrong things. We did the inverse of the right things, which is another way to say the most wrong thing possible. <laughs> and maybe that is terrible and inevitable consequence of being arrogant enough to think that we know what's true. Hmm. Yeah, I think the statement like uh, trust the science mm -hmm. encapsulates that. Like the science into the true sense always has the what if or what, what about, you know? Yeah. Where, you know, it became where science was this definitive thing where it's actually the the mode in which we explore yeah. ideas and the structure. Right. <clears throat> That's a good example about the COVID thing. That's I think that does kind of encapsulate that. There's no room for, you know, okay, hey guys, this is scary. You know, we're gonna act here's here's a level, we're gonna act as if this is a level seven. We don't know. It could be a level nine. It could be a level five. We're not sure right now, but we're going to kind of pick level seven right now and then reevaluate as we move forward, you know, where at some point it became, this is level 10. And if you descend from that, then you're part of the problem. You're part of the problem. Right. Yeah. Like you don't want to get vaccinated. You don't want to wear a mask. You don't, it's like where. Hmm. Another, I don't know if <laughs> this is 
going to fall apart on me. But an, <laughs> a, another great example is uh, just simply the, the spectrum of color in the rainbow. Hmm. Oh, gotcha. I mean, we agree on a lot of different names of colors. Mm-hmm. But where exactly does red become yellow? Hmm. I mean, we act as if a lot of things are yellow, which really may be orange in a different light or mm-hmm. <laughs> green in a different light. All categorization is an acting as if. Hmm. And so what you said about, you know, okay, we have this deadly virus and we don't know. It might be a level seven emergency. It might be a level five. It's probably in that range. We don't know. Mm -hmm. We're going to get more information and we're going to do some adjustments and like, oh, thank God it was actually only level two or Mm -hmm. holy shit, it's really a 10. But if we just say – this is this, and anyone who disagrees is threatening our lives and must be done away with. Hmm. You will always end up exactly wrong, I think. Uh, which is interesting because it, there's there's an example of this that is uh, kind of, but it has to do with children. You know, where when our children are young, there's there's many times where we need them to just listen. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, I yell your name. You come here now because you might be getting hit by a car. Right. But you just don't have the wherewithal yeah. to understand the functioning world around you. I think that's where some of these things is like we're, you know, being treated like children. Um, but if you are t- if you're if you yell at an 18-year-old and you say, just do what I say, it's like, <laughs> that's just the wrong thing to say. You're infantilizing that you're infantilizing. person. You're, you're uh-huh. preventing them from being mm-hmm. everything that they could be. Yeah. I mean, that's actually, it's a really great example. But a two-year-old, you need them to, to react immediately. Yeah. I mean, another, I, I'm sure I've told this story on the podcast before, but it just seems relevant to me. When my son was maybe three years old. Mm-hmm. I was, uh, we had a bunch of people over to the house and I had a, it's in the winter, I think, and I had a fire pit in the backyard and above ground metal fire pit. It was very hot, right? It had a fire in it. And uh, he kept wanting to go up and he was reaching his hand out like he was going to touch the fire pit. And I kept reprimanding him. Hmm. You know, hey, don't do that. Um, and in a sense, I was, I was asking him to act as if that fire pit was hot. But he didn't really know what that meant. He'd never been burned before. Hmm. So how do you act as if that's going to be the consequence of touching the fire pit? And eventually I just decided to let him touch it. Hmm. Touched it, burned himself, never touched it again, Hmm. right? But I can't – this is the thing about the other side of being embodied and being an active part of – the creation of truth is that you can't just matrix style download the lessons into your son's head. Mm-hmm. You have to let him experience it because that's the only way to know what it is. How do you explain to someone who's never experienced being burned what that is? Mm. Like you can't, not fully. So the truth is something which happens, not something which is in a sense, in that sense. And so that's why to reprimand and, and demand compliance from a, a teenager hmm. is 
is so damaging to them because you're preventing them from engaging in what's true. You're preventing them from bumping up against the real world <laughs> in knowing it, not knowing it like a piece of information or like the goddamn trust the science, <laughs> but knowing it because they've met it, they've felt it, they've touched it, they've mm. been hurt by it, they've been comforted by it, they've actually experienced it. They've been embodied. Mm. They've they, gone beyond the act as if and they've yeah, embodied it. They've actually it. had mm. some points in their lives mm. where the act as if question fades away because they are actually mm. it, whatever that may be. It may be a musician. It may be a lover. It may be mm. a daughter or a son. It may be a tennis player, you know, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. They've started to taste some of those things and they tasted them because we allowed them to go out and do that and didn't demand compliance with all of our direction. Hmm. Super fascinating. You, you kind of started like bringing up some thoughts and ideas as far as like entrepreneurship and, and sort of uh, exploration. It's like you need a society that gives a framework, a proper space for people to be, but then you also have to allow people to go outside of that in order to explore. Yes. Um, you know, like in business, it's, you know, in a capitalist society, not crony capitalism, but in more of a true capitalism, uh, you allow people to go out and start businesses and fail, you know, where, you know, in a communism, you, you have the state is in charge of that business and, you know, you allow the business to, to thrive and you keep feeding it and it may or may not be useful at some point, but you don't know that because you, uh, you've put all your resources into it and it, it, so much is demanded of it. There's no other option where it, it could be better and it gets static and, um, and becomes irrelevant. Um, but where like in a capitalist system is like where, you know, uh, you know, if, if we were just only using, well, shoot, I think I'm, I'm stretching this too far. Um, uh, trying to get the, the right example on this one. Well, okay, let me, let me kind of come back a little bit. Like you need people to explore, even like in a COVID situation, you know, it's like, okay, here we are at a level seven, you know, it's like, it could be level nine or it could be level five. It's like, you kind of need to allow certain space within this because you're going to allow people to explore and there might be negative consequences to that exploration, but it will be better for everybody if you allow some of that exploration. Like, mm -hmm. you know, you think about the difference between Texas and Florida and California and New York that kind of happened in a little bit is yeah. like, as people started to see it, it's like, Oh wait, Texas and Florida are, are wide open. And right. it seems to be not that bad or not as bad as we thought where yeah. New York and California were so strict that, you know, you wouldn't have known that, uh, that COVID was over maybe for the next 10 years, you know, <laughs> because it's like, it's too dangerous to even ask, ask the question. Right. Well, it's maybe great, it's like that movie, the silo. I, I, totally I haven't, I haven't seen that. it yet, but yeah. it makes sense. <laughs> yeah. The outside is safe. We, or is unsafe. We don't know why it's unsafe, but it's too dangerous to ask the question. Mm -hmm. It puts us all in danger of extinction. Yeah. So we must behave as if that's true. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Whether it's true or not. Mm -hmm. Well, it's interesting. The first half of this discussion, I wasn't feeling all that into it. And uh -huh. then when you first posed this question of trying to make a distinction between acting as if and acting because, mm -hmm. 
I was like not grabbing onto it. Mm-hmm. But I actually think we had we got we made some productive progress on the <laughs> on the idea. It's, it was it's really helpful for me anyways. I feel like yeah. I've got some some more basis to kind of like explore a little bit more on this because mm-hmm. it was helpful for me anyways. So thanks. Yeah. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. Thanks all for listening out there. Yeah, definitely. If you made it this far. Mm-hmm. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> we love y'all. <laughs> Can we like plant an Easter egg? If you made it this far, DM us mm. on Instagram. And the first one to do it gets a Shores of Ignorance glass. <gasps> I don't you can, you can do that. I'll do that. <laughs> uh, Just one. It will send you a, I'll send you a... Uh, DMS. Yeah. The word soccer player. Soccer player. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. We're done. All right. Bye. Bye. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> I wanted to be good enough that someone would actually... Uh-huh. <laughs> you can come up with a different word.